This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio with me, Dab Wolf, as always. And today I was going to talk to you about Buster the Labradoodle. So I'll get to that. In fact, I'll start with that. But we're going to move from dogs to the news pretty quickly because there's been so much in the news. But all right, Buster the Labradoodle, Buster the Labradoodle. He's six months old and he won't stop jumping, 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 jumping. If you've got a dog like Buster that jumps on you all the time or jumps on other people, puts his muddy paws on your clean white suit, yeah, you know the guy, knocks things over, causes havoc at the doorway and greetings, is the kind of dog where you're always, no, 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 Buster, no Buster, and then boom, Buster jumps. Okay, if you've got a dog like that, or maybe he jumps up to get your attention and then gets down to be ever so good to get the treat over and over like a pogo stick, All right, you need to look at my Deb Wolf Pet Expert YouTube video because I will show you with Buster in minutes, really, exactly how to train a dog not to jump up. And it's so darn easy. Every time I'm out driving around or I'm at a dog park and I see a jumping dog, I just think, oh, if they only knew three minutes with me and that dog would not be jumping anymore ever. Like it'll just, it'll try maybe once or twice this week. And then if you do what I tell you, it won't jump anymore. It just won't. Because why did they jump? They jumped to get your attention. And the dogs who jump rudely, the big ones especially, do not care that you're yelling, no, no, off, stop it, and all kinds of swear words. They don't care. That's better than no attention. So that's why they do it. That's the whole trick to this. The dog who jumps up on the sofa so you will tell him to get off so he'll be told he's a good boy, that's a missing timing thing. He just doesn't realize he can be told he's a good boy without jumping on the sofa at all. So he thinks he has to do the wrong thing and then the right thing, that that's the trick you've taught him. Jump on the couch, jump off the couch, get a treat. So (laughs) that's really easy to fix too. And actually, I'll explain that one because the other one I'm showing you on Deb Wolf Pet Expert YouTube. And a video is worth so much more than just words. So check it out. You'll see Buster doing his thing with Tanisha, who works here. There's a few videos in this series. You'll see him jumping all over somebody else. And then you'll see him with me jumping a little bit and being trained not to. And then in the end, you'll see him back with Tanisha, his favorite person to jump on, not jumping on her anymore. So you want to see all that with little Buster, who's about 45 pounds and red and furry and adorable. The kind of dog that people, you know, you're out at the park and he's about to jump on someone And they say, it's okay. And then you kind of watch your training go out the window because they're rewarding him for jumping. All right. Well, when you're at the park, arm yourself with little tiny cookies, little doggy treats. And if a person like that says, it's okay, I don't mind. I love dogs. That's the person you say, oh, great. Can you help me teach him this new trick? And you hand the person the little treat. And then you tell Buster to sit. And if he sits, the stranger gives him the treat. And if he doesn't sit, she does not give him the treat. You pull him back until he gets it right. And it won't take long for Buster to learn that even strangers who talk baby talk and pat their chests and make all the signals that jumping is okay, even with them, he should sit. 
Because if he sits, he gets a treat. And if he doesn't sit, he doesn't get a treat. So if your dog's not treat motivated and all he lives for is the ball, we'll do the same thing with the ball. Give the stranger the ball. If he sits, she'll throw it for him. If he doesn't sit, she won't. And you've got him on leash to make sure he's not jumping like an orangutan, heckling her, trying to grab it out of her hands, doing all kinds of rude stuff. He's sitting for fetch. And once he sits nicely, okay, you say, and then you throw the ball. And he gets the ball and he brings it back. And you put your hand on it and you say, drop. And he drops the ball. And then you say, sit. And he sits. And then you say, okay. And you throw the ball. Go get it. And he goes and gets it. Bring it back. And he brings it back. That's how fetch should work. If he brings the ball and he won't drop it, you should have a second ball, a nice clean one that you keep in your pocket that you don't let him have, but you use <laughs> to trick him. You just pull it out and act like you like it so much more than the one he's got. He'll drop the one he's got. You pick up the nice spit upon dirty ball, put the clean one back in your pocket, tell him to sit, tell him good boy, tell him okay, and throw the ball. That's the two ball drop trick. And if you'd like to see that in action, go to Dub Wolf Pet Expert on YouTube and check out the two ball drop trick. So for the dog who's jumping up on the couch and then getting down to be good or any kind of pattern like that where you've taught him a good behavior, but he's still doing the bad manner first. What's happened is he doesn't realize he can just get rewarded, noticed, praised for being good. He thinks he has to be naughty first. So all you got to do is put a leash on him in the house and make it happen. You might the first time, if it's jumping on the couch, that's the problem. You might block it off, put a bunch of laundry baskets on there or something full of laundry so he can't actually get on there while you're doing this training. And you just give him so much attention when he's off. You know, the second part of the command, he used to get on the couch and you would say, get off the couch. And then he'd get off and you'd say, good boy, off the couch, right? Okay, well, if your second part was good boy, lie down, or good boy, sit, or whatever the second part was, that's the part you want to focus on without the jumping on the couch. So you just notice him sitting beside the couch. You walk over, good boy, sit on the floor. Good boy, you're so good. If you see him lying down beside the couch, good boy, lie down beside the couch. If you see him want to jump up on it, think about it and not do it, good boy, off the couch, right? And you just keep that praise flowing every time he's not on the couch. And you'll be able to take those laundry baskets off the couch pretty soon. And when he jumps on them because he's forgotten or his old habits is pretty ingrained, oh, you say, off, and you very, very strict, negative voice, off, and you pull him off the couch immediately, and you get him to do what he's supposed to do, and you praise him for what he's supposed to do, but keep him there. So let's say he jumps on the couch because he forgot. It's three days later and you took the laundry baskets off and he jumped on the couch. Instead of repeating your old pattern of telling him to get off and praising him, giving him a treat, what you do is you tell him to get off really harshly. He gets off. You praise him. You don't give him the treat. You tell him to stay there. Oh, good boy lying down. Good boy on the floor. Good boy sitting there. Good boy where you are on your bed, whatever it is. Tell him. And you keep telling him every few minutes. Oh, you're so good sitting there. Then you go give him the treat. So he starts to understand that the reward is for the good behavior. The second part, the lying on the bed or the sitting on the floor or whatever it is you like is getting so much attention. And whatever you don't like is hardly getting any. That's the whole trick to dog training, really. When you have a dog who wants your attention and loves you and trusts you, this is how you do it. So go to Dub Wolf Pet Expert to check that out. Okay. 
So now we're going to talk about wildlife. And today's show, we're going to talk about some attacks, some crazy stuff in the news, things that surprise me, but they really shouldn't surprise you. Things about whales, actually, and bears. And I'm going to go to break. So stay tuned for more Animal Party Pet Life Radio when we come back. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. This is Deb Wolf on an animal party on Pet Life Radio, and we are back. And I do want to talk about dogs and cats. That's my passion. I live with a whole bunch of them. Six cats. And one that keeps coming over, a gray one, and I don't know if he's mine or not. I'm not sure when when you make that call. When a cat visits and it eats at your place and it hangs out at your place, is it your cat? I don't know. But <laughs> lots of cats and uh, lots of dogs. And the constant uh, revolving door of dogs coming to the boarding kennel at Camp Good Dog out here in near Vancouver, B.C. I'm in Maple Ridge. And the dogs come from all over the Vancouver area and even... Even on the other side of the border near Bellingham and Blaine and dogs like that. So we get all kinds of dogs here at Camp Good Dog and I love to talk about them. But I'm going to have to divert today and talk about some wildlife because there's been some exciting things in the news. Well, okay, over here we have a lot of forest and rivers and oceans and we're pretty blessed naturally. So the people and the animals have figured out ways to get along. And most of the time we don't have too much conflict. But... Uh, recently this poor guy was out bicycling and oh my goodness, he, (laughs) he, uh, he definitely got attacked by a bear and, um, okay. So his name was Kevin Milner. If you do want to look it up in the news, I'm sure you can find it. He was on a solo ride through the Seymour demonstration forest, just, you know, 20 minutes, maybe North of drive North of uh, downtown Vancouver, like really close to the city. And he's in there and and um, he's a 30-year-old guy and he's fit. He's a cyclist. He's doing great. And he's got no people, no cell. He's in the wilderness. He's loving it. And all of a sudden, a bear collides with him. Yeah. So <laughs> he had his scapula fractured, a bruised heart, ribs broken. And his quote is, when he saw the bear lining up, to attack him in the bicycle, he said, I was thinking, this is going to be bad. Well, yeah, it's going to be bad when a bear challenges you. So the bear chased him. First of all, the bear launched itself at his bike. 
and the guy had that, you know, fancy kind of bike where your feet are locked into your pedals. Not good when a bear attacks. So him and the bike go flying and the bear didn't stop at that. The bear chased him and cut him, cut him off and launched at the bike again. And then he, oh, it's just such a harrowing story. In the end, another cyclist came along and this guy was so badly injured. He gave him his um, electric bike and let him take it out of the woods and so uh, Kevin was able to get to Lionsgate Hospital and get treated for all these injuries. Wow, what a story. Okay, so what's the solution to all that? No, that's a tricky one. You're supposed to be loud when you're in the wilderness with bears. You're supposed to never sneak up on them. You're supposed to never get between them and their cubs. Well, he didn't do any of that. And maybe he was quiet. Maybe that's the one thing he did wrong in all this. I guess so. You could be noisier. That's for sure. I'm not sure how else he could have uh, he could have protected himself. Maybe pepper spray. So when he was on the ground fighting the bear, and he did fight the bear, he did. Uh, <laughs> when you're on the ground fighting the bear, pepper spray would definitely help. I'd say a good dog would go a long way. You got a good barking dog with you, and the bear shows up. Dog's gonna bark its head off. Chances are the bear's gonna leave. Bears don't like dogs. Bears think dogs are packs. So that's why, if you've ever read in the news, and there was one two years ago on Vancouver Island, Cocker Spaniel, treat a bear. And people are thinking, like, what is wrong with that bear that it's scared of a Cocker Spaniel? It's not scared of a Cocker Spaniel. It just thinks that the rest of the pack is on the way. It's used to coyotes and wolves. They don't travel alone. So when it sees a canine, it's kind of confused and thinks there might be a pack coming. So, uh... So a dog is very, very helpful in this situation, especially a well-trained dog who will stay with you and listen to your commands and not agitate the bear and then run back to you. So you definitely have to have to teach have to teach the dog some good commands before you attempt to take a dog into bear country. Otherwise, keep it on leash because it will bark when it sees the bear and it's with you. So it's making you a barking concern. And it's not doing that thing where it runs to the bear and runs back to you, which is the worst that will only draw the bear toward you. Bears like to chase running things. So you or moving bikes, as we've just learned. So you definitely don't want to do that. All right. So that's enough about bears for now. I know I'm going to get some feedback on that. Why don't you like the bears? I love the bears. In fact, I get really close to bears personally myself. Um, I wouldn't advise this with anyone else, but... I do. I've I've had a bear lick the salt off my car once while I was having a little bathroom break in the woods. And it took me a very long time to get the courage up to go back to the car. And I've had I've had bears. Uh, I've seen bears in local playgrounds. I've seen bears when I'm driving and I always stop and take pictures and look at them. I find them fascinating and beautiful, but they're a lot faster, stronger, smarter. Uh, than you think and less predictable so keep a distance if you can and always alert the bear be noisy in the woods carry a bell with you sing songs if you're with kids keep kids close to you Uh, the bears are definitely out all right we're going to go to a break and come back and i'm going to tell you about orca whales something i did not expect to be saying about them coming up next on animal party pet life radio Take a bite out of your competition. 
Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hello. We're back in Animal Party Pet Life Radio. And those of you who have been listening to the show for a long time know I've got a lot of experience with different kinds of animals. But I have never worked with marine mammals in captivity. No, I haven't. It's like one of the few things on my resume that's missing. I have swam with dolphins in the wild, swam with manatee in the wild, and encountered uh, whales on boating trips. Not necessarily with the intent to see them, just because they were around. So, yeah, we really are blessed out here in the Pacific Northwest. If you're listening to this and you think, oh, my God, I want to see that, come to Vancouver. Make yourself a trip. Honestly, it's your your dollar in the States goes so far here right now. It's like 75 cents on the dollar. You can buy so much. You can have such a great holiday. And there's none of this, like, you know, when you go on a holiday somewhere else, you may have to worry, is the water clean? Is the food clean? Do I have to get my jabs and shots before I go? Will I get mugged? No, no, Canada's really safe and super clean and all very, very healthy. It's like you're going to have like a little wellness trip, breathing clean forest air and drinking pure mountain water. And, and then there's all the decadent stuff here, the music scene. And if you like craft beer or if you like, well, now that marijuana is legal, that's very big here and it's supposed to be the best in the world. There's a lot to see in Vancouver if you want to come here. But the big thing for me is all the wildlife. I came here from the east of the country, Ontario, Toronto, where I was born. And that's a beautiful place, too, with lots of wildlife. But nothing like here. These trees are 10 times the size of the trees back in Ontario. So I'm sort of comparing, like, as if I'm comparing the redwoods of California to the trees you might see in a park in New York. Yeah, no comparison. Honestly, no comparison. The maple leaves here, one maple leaf will be broader than my shoulders. Whereas back in Ontario, a maple leaf is the size of my hand. That's the difference. And the wildlife here is extreme. There's mountain lions, there's bears, there's all the animals that live under the water. And that's where we're going to go next. So out here, People love to go on boating trips to see the whales. And you're pretty much guaranteed to see them all the time because there are really a lot of pods that live out here. A lot of resident pods and um, nomadic pods. Interestingly, the nomadic pods have very different behavior than the residents. And they are much more aggressive and much more carnivorous. And they will do things like grab a deer that's standing in ankle deep water, you know, and take it. They're different behavior. But anyway, we have the different kinds of pods and people are always tracking them and they've got numbers assigned to them. And, 
you know, we're always worried about their diminishing numbers and will the salmon be enough to feed them this year and all that kind of stuff. So, and the boats, the boats are a constant problem for them. And I do think in general, whales have had a really bad ride from humanity and they are extremely intelligent. So this brings us to a bit of a question here, because right now in the Strait of Gibraltar, that's Spain, basically, and all around Spain in the waters, there have been many, many attacks by orcas, killer whales. So three boats have been sunk in the last three weeks. And uh, just a couple of days ago, a 66-foot boat was slammed. The rudder was destroyed. The hull was pierced. The, wa- the boat took on water. Um, there's video of it. And uh, the sailors were very upset and very worried. And they had to, you know, pump the water out and get back to safety and all this because of an orca who attacked the boat. So there's been 20 attacks this month. And last year in the Strait of Gibraltar, there were 207 attacks of boats by an orca. So you can imagine being out there. I mean, these are big boats, 33 feet 33 foot boat. When I go boating, I'm usually, <laughs> I'm usually paddle boarding, you know, standing on one of those little things that looks like a big surfboard with my little oar and nothing else. And if an orca attacked, I'd be in big trouble, big, big trouble. Or what about kayakers? What about, what about just small little fishing vessels? Oh, this is not good. And then it, okay. So they're trying to figure out, well, what, why, why are these whales attacking people? Why are they attacking boats? Why are they trying to sink boats? And there's a shot of one of them with a big piece of a boat in its mouth and it's chewing on it and kind of tossing it in the air. That's confusing <laughs> because I, I don't know. I mean, I see that behavior in dogs. I see that in canines and these are both carnivores with pack behavior. So I'm not so sure that there's that much of a difference in a dog. When a dog throws up something like that, it is playing. But when dogs make a kill, And when they're hunting, they will take pieces of the animal and do that very same thing with it. It's like a trophy. They will show it off to the other dogs. They will run around, you know, with the tail of the thing they just killed. And everybody will lick their muzzle and show them how amazing this score was. And I don't know. When I was watching that orca play with that piece of the boat, it looked like play. But it also looked like, look what I got. I got a piece of the human boat. That's what it looked like. And it looked a little bit aggressive, like. I think things are going to go bad out there in the Strait of Gibraltar. And it makes me wonder, okay, so they've had some marine biologists on being interviewed, and they say this is definitely similar to play behavior and likely play. All right. But if you're the fisherman and you're being played with and you drown, it's not a good game. So so we got to figure out what's going on here. Is it play? Another thing the marine biologists were saying, and they interviewed several of them. I was really into this. I was researching this for a while. They're saying that orcas teach each other. So it could be the reason this is escalating so much is that this is the new game and they're teaching each other and they're all into this new game. You know, <laughs> like, like, like we get into new games. It's hard to say if that's true. And if it is the new game, how are we going to stop this game from spreading, from them teaching all the whales and all the whales becoming interested in treating boats like tennis balls? I don't know. I suspect they're wrong on that. I think there's something going on in the Strait of Gibraltar because I have to wonder why the whales of the world aren't doing this. If this is just a normal whale thing, why have they not always been playing with our boats? And why is this not an issue anywhere else in the world? What is this specific situation? 
So now I'm thinking, what are they doing that's making the whales mad? There's got to be something. Are they going too fast? Are they disrespecting mating grounds? Are they disrespecting, well, like birthing areas or feeding areas? Are they overfishing in an area the whales think is their territory? Because yes, yes, they have territory. We're not the only species that that claims land or water rights. So I think they got to look at what they're really doing over there and stop it before the whales muster up a battle that no human will be able to respond to properly. So that's what I say. Well, I'm going to keep you aware of this. I'm going to keep tracking this because I find this fascinating and terrifying at the same time. And, you know, I'm one of those people that jumps in the water when there's wildlife around. So I'm not usually afraid. And I would probably have considered swimming with whales prior to this new uh, development. And now I am not considering swimming with whales anymore. Yeah. When I did swim with the manatee, one thing I was very aware of was even though they're so slow moving, at one point I was kind of embracing one of them, a very big cow. And she had a baby with her. That's how I know she was a cow. And she also had her, she was nursing the, the baby at times. And um, where they nurse from, where the milk is kept, is in little breasts that are under the flippers. So that was fascinating to watch and how she'd put her, the mama would put her flipper almost over the baby the way a human arm would cuddle a baby that, that a human mom would nurse. And the baby would sort of nuzzle in. It was just beautiful to watch. This manatee that I encountered was not at all shy of me. She was pushing her baby toward me and she was rubbing against me and just trying to get me to scratch her and take like scratch where she was itchy. She had like seaweed and barnacles and different things on her that you could tell she was rubbing against me. And at one point I was sort of embracing her and she was swimming. And again, this is so slow motion, the way they move. So sort of floating, drifting, swimming is a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a, uh, yeah, no, much slower than swimming, but, but drifting, floating together with me holding on to her. And she made a turn. And her tail kind of acted like a rudder and, and made this big movement. And it hit my legs. And she, she wasn't intending to hurt me in any way. It was a very slow, la, 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 roll around the marina with her baby. But she hit me with her tail. And the power of the weight of the tail, my legs shot out like, boom, like I was hit by a boat or a truck. So that gives me an idea of the power of a whale. If a whale, which is so much stronger, faster, bigger than a manatee, if a whale accidentally jostled you, you'd be in real trouble. So I think we've got to give these animals distance. And in all the boating, you know, the boating trips and the sightseeing tours, they have to stay at a distance. If you're on a boat and a whale comes close to you, you can't really make that distance. It's the whale's choice. But just be aware that they're not always friendly. So be careful out there, everybody, especially all my neighbors who are out on your boats right now trying to catch spot prawns. You are probably going to see some whales out there because they're hungry, too. So respect the whales, everybody. All right. So if you are listening to the show and you liked all that I was saying about Buster the Labradoodle, you can find more videos of dogs being trained. Usually, well, always, I show them bad, naughty misbehaving, jumping, stealing, pulling, begging, barking, all that kind of stuff. And then I show you in real time, usually, how to fix it. And it does take minutes. 
Usually the dog's just been given rewards and attention for the negative behavior and ignored for being good. So whatever it is that you're saying no to out there, figure out what you want to say yes to and make the no last a second. Then take control of the dog and get him doing what you want, the yes, and make that last minutes. And you'll have a dog who does what you want. It's so easy. I know I didn't talk about cats very much this week. So for all the cat people listening, I did post some pictures on Facebook of the Cats of Camp Good Dog. And there are some videos, lots of videos on my Deb Wolf Pet Expert site about cats. But I'm thinking next week I'll talk some more about cats. So you'll be hearing cat, cat, cat information on my next show. So the thing about cats, one trick, one little thing I'll leave you with before we go today is they learn about three times faster than the average dog. I'm not talking Border Collie or Poodle or Doberman. But pretty much everybody else, even your smart golden retriever, will learn slower than a cat. So what does that mean? That means when you train a cat, and yeah, you can train a cat. All those cats on commercials are trained cats. And they're not all fancy purebred cats, and they're not all skilled trainers either. Some cats like to work. Some cats like to do tricks. The cats that are bugging you all the time, kind of throwing stuff off the table just to see your reaction, getting in your inbox of paperwork, <laughs> tackling your feet on the way down the stairs. Those are the cats who want to work. Yeah, they do. They just don't know how to get your attention in a good way. So take that cat when he's bugging you, pick him up and teach him something, something simple, like to go to a mark. Oh, it's so easy. You just tap the mark, then you put the cat there, and then you give him the treat he likes. It might be using your fingernails on the sides of his cheeks to stroke him, or it might be a cat treat, like a temptation or something might be a cuddle. It might just be praise. It might be a cat toy. Oh, those are the best cats. The cats who work for cat toys love those cats. Anyway, so so then you give him his reward and you just mm, do something else for a little while and go back to it. Do something else for a little while and go back to it. Because cats are so smart, they get bored easy. So you can't do the trick, 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 do the trick like with a dog. You can't. They just tune you out. They do it twice and they look at you like, oh, we've done that already. What's your problem? So so that's my tip with cats. Less repetition and keep it interesting. Keep it fun. And they'll do tricks. They'll jump through hoops. They'll come to you when called. That's the easiest one. Instead of feeding your cat tonight like you'd usually do or free feeding it, God forbid, don't do that. <laughs> Set a meal time. And if you're free feeding, it'll take a day for him to get hungry. So when he's hungry for mealtime, you can feed more than needed so it stays after. But you need a special time of day where he's really eager to please you and really interested in you. And he comes over because he wants to be fed. And that's the time when teach him a trick. Instead of just, oh, it's seven o'clock, it's time to feed him all, just pour the food. Before you pour the food, before you touch the food, before you give any clues to the food at all, call out his name, Misty, you know, call it out mittens, whatever it is, and then do the food trick. Okay, the next day when you do it, mittens come and then pour the food. The next day, mittens come. And if mitten doesn't come, when you say come, don't pour the food. Wait 10 minutes. When mittens is like winding around your legs saying, why aren't you feeding me? Why aren't you feeding me? It's time. Walk somewhere else and say, mittens come. <laughs> and when mittens comes, pour the food. Now you've taught come. It's that easy. Another way to do it is if your cat likes to greet you at the door, just say come first when you walk in the door. Mittens, come. And she's coming anyway. Good girl, good girl. Oh, yes. And then walk like 10 feet away. 
Mittens, come. Mittens will come. Good girl, good girl. Pet her. She's basically learned come that quickly. That quickly a cat will learn. Now you can work on sit and you can work on teaching her to jump up on things and jump off of things and go to wherever you point to point her. Oh my gosh, it's so easy to train a cat. Don't give up on your cat. All right, everybody. We've run out of time today. And we talk dogs, labradoodle, jumping up, puppies. And we talk cats, how to train one. And we talked about some of the scarier elements out there in the wild world. But I do encourage you to go find wildlife whenever you can. Just be safe about it. Thanks for listening. And please go to my Double Pet Expert YouTube site. I'm going to be doing lots of videos in the near future. All right, everybody. From me, Dub Wolf, and Animal Party and Pet Life Radio, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.